Scripture reading today is from Luke chapter 13, 10 through 17. Now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath, and behold, there was a woman who had been who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. When Jesus saw her, he called her over and said to her, Woman, you are freed from your disability. And he laid his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight, and she glorified God. But the ruler of the synagogue, indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath, said to the people, There are six days in which work ought to be done. Come on those days and be healed, and not on the Sabbath day. Then the Lord answered him, You hypocrites, does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And ought not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, whom Satan bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day? As he said these things, all his adversaries were put to shame, and all the people rejoiced at all the glorious things that were done by him. God, we come to you today. God, we come to you today. Thank We come to you today in the midst of all that's going on in the world, knowing that we can seek you and you will answer. God, knowing that you see us, you see us in our hurt, in our pain, in our despair, God, but you love us so much. You see through the walls we put up, you see through the hard heart. God, you see who we really are and you bring that out and you give us joy. You give us hope and you give us peace, God. God, we come to you today thankful. I come to you today thankful for all that you have done, for all that you're doing. And for the one day when your work will be complete we get to enjoy the kingdom and rest in you. God, I know that that's, the work is done and it is happening now through us, God, and I pray today that we would enjoy that work. In your name I pray, amen. Amen, you can be seated. I gotta say, I'm in a different mood during this service than I was in the first one. So you guys might get a different uh, sermon, who knows, but that's the joy of coming to the second service. You never know what you're gonna get, right? We were singing that song, uh, and I was just thinking about Matt Porter here. If you guys don't know, he's the, he's the lead pastor. And when I first came to this church, he would lead worship once in a while, and it's been a long time since we've seen him up there. And I just got to look around at you guys, and I got to look at the band, and I got to sing those lyrics, like, I sought the Lord, and he answered. And I'm just reflecting on my life. I'm reflecting on the place, places I've been. I'm reflecting on the, the, the man that I am now the person that I'm not anymore. And God just brought me out of this despair. <laughs> I, 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 this morning, I didn't even want to get out of bed. This morning, today's sermon felt like work to me. This morning, there was not a lot of joy in my heart. And God is just so good. And God is so good that we can come to him in our place of despair in our place of lost, in our tiredness. 
and he'll answer. And as I look around and I get to sing to God, I'm just filled with this overwhelming joy to be here with you guys today. This overwhelming love. But I wonder if many of you like me come to church and maybe you feel like me, like you don't want to get out of bed. Your bed might be warm or for for me, I actually want to get out of bed because I'm still without power. And so it was a very cold bed. Um, And maybe you wake up and you're kind of pissed that like you're, you know, shaving in the dark and I don't know, I'm probably missed a few places Uh, or you don't have hot water or running water, and uh, you know you can think about all the things that are going on, right? And you come come to church, and you're just like, I don't want to be here. Or maybe you don't even come. That's not you guys. Thank thank you for coming and being here. But maybe it's other weeks where you just you just can't get out of bed, and you're just tired. I think that's going on with many of us today, right? We're tired. Many of us today. Maybe we, we want to put on joy. We want to put on this, this persona of hope, and we want to pretend that it's okay. I think I, uh, God is teaching me that I, I do that, that coming into this sermon today, I wanted to be this encouragement for you guys. I wanted to be this uh, just... I wanted to give you words that would give you hope. And I started to feel the weight that I'm not enough right? I started to feel the weight that I'm tired. And so, in all honesty, going into this week, going into this sermon, I just wanted to get through it. I just wanted to get through it. I just want to get through the power being out. I'm tired of it. I just wanted to get through my kids being sick during this. I just wanted to get through coronavirus. I just want to get through all the political chaos in our world, all the hate, all the division. I just want the world to be right. I just look forward to rest. And I keep thinking about things that maybe, maybe when the power comes back on, maybe when I'm done with this sermon today, maybe when coronavirus is over, Things will finally be good. Things will finally be okay. But the problem is, is that I'm just, I'm narrow-minded. And when I look at all the things that are going on around me, and I look at the, that my way of life isn't working out, I, I begin to not notice what God has done. But God did something to me today that I believe he wants to show us in this passage That when you look up, when God comes and we look up, you can finally see the world the way it's supposed to be. You can finally see all that's around you. You can finally stop trying to be God and enjoy resting in God. And today, if you're here, today typically we call this day Sabbath. And I believe for many of us, we turn this day into work. You can be a pastor like me and you can face a sermon like this and you can go, this is a weight that I need to bear. I need to be entertaining for you guys. I need to be excited. I need to be energetic, whatever it is. And you put on that burden. 
and we don't rest and we look forward and we lose hope and we look down and maybe over the years we've gotten worse and worse. And God wants to show us today what's going on inside of us through the Sabbath. Because I think we have a misunderstanding of the Sabbath and I think that reflects our misunderstanding of God. Some of us think God is a good God and he's gotten us to a certain place, but there's a little bit more we must do. All right, so let's dive into the passage and see how that relates to the Sabbath. So we start out, it says, now he was teaching in one of the synagogues on the Sabbath. So if, you, if you've been with us in Luke for a while, um, and maybe if you haven't, I'll give you a little refresher. Um, Luke chapter four, I actually preached on this one. It starts out, Jesus is preaching in the Sabbath, and he starts his ministry, his work, uh, uh, on the Sabbath in the synagogue. So it's a very similar scene, and we see throughout Luke in different passages, there's this kind of repetitive thing that you'll see. You'll see many passages like this where Jesus is teaching, and then he heals someone. And then these, the Pharisees or his opposers, they always seem to have an issue of, with it. I think it's kind of funny that you see Jesus doing it over and over again. I think it makes the, his, the, his opposition a little bit angry, a little bit ticked off at him. Uh, and I think maybe he does that on purpose a little bit. He's trying to get under the skin because sometimes when you get under someone's skin, you kind of see who they really are. And you maybe can bring out what's really going on. So Jesus is doing this again. I think it's helpful for us to look at uh, what the Sabbath is. I, 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 like I said earlier, I think we have a misunderstanding of it. I think I have a misunderstanding of the Sabbath, and I come in to, to this building, I come to this place, and I feel the weight of it sometimes, I feel the work of it all. God, like, if you saw me this morning, I, like, immediately my friends uh, noticed me, and I'm like looking down. I'm, I'm just like, I'm bearing the weight of the sermon as if I have something that I need to give to you and I need to deliver something to you in order to give you hope. All right, so what is the Sabbath? If you go way back, uh, a helpful uh, reference to a lot of information I got, I did a uh, study a while back uh, by the Bible Project, bibleproject.com, awesome website. They have a podcast to listen to the podcast on Sabbath. It's, it was fascinating. And so... Uh, if you want a great resource um, that goes into more in-depth information on the Sabbath, go to BibleProject.com. Uh, but one of the things you'll see is um, in the beginning, we go back to the book of Genesis. This is where it all happened, right? So, so the book of Genesis tells us that in the beginning, there was um, disorder, chaos, darkness. Everything wasn't right. But that God existed, and he started to order things. And he put day and night together, put the heavens and the earth together, Right, and he created all things, the heavens and the earth, in six days. He ordered the chaos. He made it good. And on the seventh day, our good God, he looked at the world and he said, it's done. It's complete. And he entered into this sort of seventh day with us. A day where there was no curse. Where work was enjoyed. Where we were with God and dependent on God. And so fast forward a little bit, what happens is there's, God created Adam and Eve. And if, you, if you're familiar with the story, um, many of you are, many of you aren't. Um, Adam and Eve are living in this sort of garden state with God. And everything is perfect. They're living in this perpetual seventh day of eternal rest where, where work is enjoyed. 
but the this, this serpent comes into the picture and he, he talks, starts talking to Eve and he starts talking to her and he says, there's something more you must do. There's, there's an extra work that must be done. God didn't give you all that you need. God isn't all that you need. There's something just a little bit extra. You just have to take a bite of this forbidden fruit. Right? So Eve does, and sin enters the world. And work is now cursed. And this world is now cursed. And this is the world that we live in. Right? But God had a plan all along. God knew this would happen. And God loved us so much that he created a way to save us. So fast forward a little bit more, and God's people, God chooses a, a people to be his chosen race, to, to return to the garden, to return to the promised land. And he gives them these commandments. And he gives them these commandments in order to show them a way of life, the way that life should be lived. There's all of these laws, like 600 and some odd laws that he gave, and he summed them down into these 10 commandments. And one of the commandments that he gave us is, remember the Sabbath, it's the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath and keep it holy. Remember it, keep it holy. But what happens is, is man's curse, man's desire to be God comes into the picture again. And we start adding on all of these things to what God said. We get to this point where we've made it work again. We've turned the Sabbath in something it wasn't. And God reminds his people again and again. In Deuteronomy 5, he expands the Sabbath. He talks about keeping it holy. He talks about taking a break from all the work that you're doing. And, he, and God's people had been captured by the Egyptians at this point, and he had freed them from that. And so he says, remember the Sabbath. Stop working. Stop your efforts. And remember that I saved you out of Egypt. He says this in Deuteronomy 5. He wants to remind us of the, the captivity that we get ourselves into. And yet, over and over again, God's people will continue to try to save themselves. And so here we are, and here we are in this, this picture. And so here we are on the Sabbath day, in the synagogue. Jesus is teaching. And it says, And behold, there was a woman who had a disabling spirit for 18 years. She was bent over and could not fully straighten herself. So here, here you are on the, Sabbath, uh, on the Sabbath, you're in a synagogue, and Jesus is teaching, and I like to think that maybe the, he just they point out there's a woman somewhere in the crowd, in the congregation, and she is bent over. And you can just imagine, bent over, looking down. I wonder how she got to that place. A lot of people speculate on the disease she had and what's going on here. Many speculate that over time she just she kind of became more and more bent years and years, more and more narrowed down, probably filled with less, <laughs> probably having less hope as each year passes. 18 years, can you imagine, can you even sit in this for a minute and think about going through something like this? It had been 18 years. And Luke, who's a great physician, points out that this is not just some physical disorder, but that there is a spiritual self to us and a physical self to us. And sometimes our physical ailments are caused by a spiritual issue. And so Luke calls this out. He says she had a disabling spirit. I wonder how many of us in here today have a disabling spirit. 
I wonder how many of you today are like me. And you've got something going on inside of you. Maybe you've been with it so long, maybe it's been 18 years, you don't even realize your vision is just pointed down. Says she can't straighten herself up. Luke, who's a physician, doesn't offer a cure. He points out the hopelessness of her disposition, her disability. She can't help herself. Nobody can help her. Does anybody here feel like that today? If you take a moment and you truly think about all that's going on, you give yourself some space and you stop what's going through your mind right now. Do you know you have a disabling spirit? Is there an enemy at work against you? For many of you, and it's your finances, it's bill collectors, it's credit card debt, and it's all you can think about, or it's your marriage, and it's been going on for a while, and you're looking further and further down you've lost hope, you can't stand straight up. You're trying to have a kid and it's not working out. It's all you can think about. You're trying to get married. You're trying to get unmarried. You've got anxiety. And the weight of this world starts to burden you down. And many of us have been like this for so long, we don't even know it. We've just gotten used to it. And we are staring at the ground. We're just used to it. We have a disabling spirit. I think many of us today are like this woman. And it says, when Jesus saw her, I just, ah, oh, I love this part. Like, I know I stopped it uh, mid-verse there, but I just paused when I was reading this. When Jesus saw her, there's a couple things that come to mind. Jesus saw this woman. If I'm honest with you today, I don't know if I would have saw this woman. Like, there's something God is doing inside of me where he's revealing to me that, man, like, I am so narrowed visioned on what's going on with me, I'm missing out on what God has for me. But Jesus saw this woman. He saw through her. He saw into her. He saw who she really was. He didn't see a woman with a disability. He didn't see... Whatever sin she had, he didn't see the shame and the guilt. He saw the beauty inside her. Later on, he calls her a daughter of Abraham. There was a significant care component in this, these words that he chose. It says that she was chosen. She, would be, she should be loved. She was part of his family. Jesus sees you today. I want you to know that. I really want you to know that. 
I may not see you. Other people in this congregation may not see you. Like this woman, I just can imagine 18 years maybe going unnoticed or just people accepting this woman, bent over, hunched over, written off. Jesus sees who she is, who she wants to be. The beauty inside her, a daughter of Abraham, his creation, someone he loves so intimately and enjoys so much. Jesus sees you that way today. He sees through the guilt, the shame, your constant battle with sin, never feeling like you're enough, the weight that you've bore on yourself, the captivity of Satan. And he looks at you and he sees you. Do you, do you notice that? Do you feel that? So in this great act of compassion, seeing her in the middle of the crowd, maybe mid-sermon, he calls her over. He says, woman, you are freed from your disability. Like, can you imagine? Or, or maybe could you even believe that in that instant, after 18 years of struggling through something, It's gone. That was not a loud snap. There, is that better? <laughs> it's gone. 18 years, and it's gone immediately. The power of Christ over the world. The power of Christ over the sins and the burdens. The power of Christ over the weight that we bear. The power of Christ in a moment. I cannot snap. Gosh. <laughs> Maybe I should clap. You have to see this passage. You have to understand. Many of you, maybe you do. And many of you, maybe you've lost hope. But that's not who Jesus was. Jesus is the Jesus of this passage. And in a moment, he sees you. He knows you. He knows what you're going through. And he says, come here. Come to me. I want to heal you. I want to save you. I want you to know who you really are. I want you to be freed from the captivity. You've been looking down and you've been stuck. But I've got such a bigger picture. I've got so much more for you. Oh, I love this stuff. I love this stuff. I love teaching the Bible. It's so good. This next part, it's, he says, and he lays his hands on her, and immediately she was made straight. If you read between the lines here, and you remember this scene, she's somewhere in the crowd, right? And Jesus is, it's, synagogues were similar to how we preach today. There was probably a little stand, and Jesus is maybe teaching on that. And so I, I like to see it. He sees her in the middle of the crowd, and he cannot stand it anymore. He tells her to come up. And see, you might miss this, but he says with a word, immediately she is freed from that captivity but there's a response that happens. It's this great, I call it the great mystery of salvation. Jesus calls her. He says, you're free. He's calling you today. He sees you. He sees what you're going through. He knows you. And he's calling you today. And he says, you're free. And immediately you are. But as a declaration of that freedom, 
and as an action and as a response, she comes to him. Do you come to Jesus? Do you rest in him? I can just imagine after 18 years of going through this, after, if, after all the things I'm going through in my life right now, if someone were to come to me and say, I will fix it all, right? what, what do you have going on today? Car problems, credit card debt, stress, anxiety, marriage. What are you burdened by? Someone says, I'll fix it all. I think you'd run to them. That's Jesus. That's Jesus. Not only does she run to him, I picture her running. She's maybe a little slower. But she glorifies God. See, this is, this is the beauty of it all is that I don't come here and sing songs and lift my hands because I'm trying to prove something. I love worshiping with you guys because I know what I've been saved from. I love doing this. I love the Sabbath. I love Jesus because there's this thing that reminds me constantly of my need for him. Today, when you're here, when you're here singing, are you holding back? Do you feel like it's awkward to lift your hands? Do you feel maybe the burden of Christianity? Or can you do nothing else but worship the God of the universe who saved you from death, destruction, from the pain, from the sickness, from the anxiety, from the depression? Maybe you don't feel that way. I think there's a reason for that. But she knew what she was saved from, and she glorified God. So there is someone in this story who doesn't feel that way and has a different response. Right? There's, the, there's this ruler of the synagogue, and he's a little bit ticked off. Says he was indignant because Jesus had healed on the Sabbath and said to the people. I just want to take a moment. This is a little bit passive aggressive. Like Jesus is up there, he's somewhere, and, and everybody's probably like 18 years, and this lady's now standing and like praising God and standing up. I, you're like, you should be a little bit happy, but no, he's angry. Why is he angry? We've talked about before, man again turns God's good commandments that he gave us to show us that there's a better way to live into a burden that we need to carry. And so you come fast forward to this point, the Pharisees had created 39 different things that you must do on the Sabbath. 30, 39 different characteristics of, of the Sabbath, of, of rules to obey. I just want to read you a few real quick. These are some activities that you were forbidden to do. Writing, erasing, and tearing, conducting business transactions, shopping, cooking, baking, or even kindling a fire, gardening, doing laundry, carrying anything for more than six feet in a public area. Like, I, 
Six feet, uh, arbitrary six feet, that seems familiar. Um, that's not a, oh, uh, I just, that came out. <laughs> Moving anything with your hand, oh man, I, even, even indirectly with a broom, a broken bowl, flowers in a vase, candles on a table, raw food, a rock, a button that has fallen off. Uh, you could, this, is, this is my favorite part. You could move things with your elbow or with a breath. Like you could blow on like a button or something to move it, but you, for some reason, couldn't use your hands. Okay. I think we all can notice the absurdity in this. Like, I have been uh, in, in a policy at the state, and I've been in these meetings where people try to, like, come up with rules and regulations, and it goes a lot like this. Like, this is humanity's curse, let me just tell you. If, you, if you're looking at this and thinking this is ridiculous, I just want to point out that maybe you're just as ridiculous. Because in our own way, we all add on to the goodness that God has given us. We think God didn't do enough, and we must do just maybe something a little bit more. God said, hey, remember this awesome day. Remember this state of being. I'm going to return you to that. And you're like, well, yeah, but there's probably some things we need to do. We probably can't move stuff with our hands. We need to blow on it. You're that person. Maybe this isn't hitting home yet, so I'll give you some examples. What makes you angry like this guy? Is it when your political political candidate didn't win the election? Is it when your wife doesn't react the way you want her to? Or when your husband doesn't do the things you want him to? Is it when your career doesn't go the way it should? Is it when people don't respond to a pandemic the way you want them to? There's a lot of anger going around right now. And all of this comes from a point of us not getting it, of us not getting that God has done enough. And so we try to add on and we have this way of life and we call it law. And we want everybody else to abide by our law. I heard a sermon a while back and this guy said, do you wanna know, how, uh, like, do you wanna know a telltale sign of when you think you're God? So when you're driving and everybody is going either faster or slower, or is going either too fast or too slow. This is all of us. We are plagued, we are diseased, we are cursed by what has gone and taken place in this world. It is sin. We think we have the right way. This guy thinks he knows the right way, and so he is mad when Jesus steps outside of that. We get mad. When Jesus steps outside of our way of life, and it is humanity's plague, we want to be God. And this day, he saw that he wasn't God. I love one commentator's uh, summary of this passage. He says, this episode plainly discloses the redeeming and liberating intention of God's Sabbath. When Jesus says, you are loose, the ruler of the synagogue reacts immediately because to him the Sabbath meant rules to obey rather than people to love. See, what's going on is this guy is hunched over in his disability. This guy's been hunched over in his disability. The law 
the weight of his actions is piled up on him. And he doesn't even see it. He doesn't even notice this daughter of Abraham who should be his sister in Christ, who should be who he should love and want to help. He's hunched over and he's mad. So he says, so, so Jesus knows what's wrong. Jesus wants to call him out. Then the Lord answered him, you hypocrites. Does not each of you on the Sabbath untie his ox or his donkey from the manger and lead it away to water it? And not, not this woman, a daughter of Abraham, who Satan has bound for 18 years, be loosed from this bond on the Sabbath day. See, Jesus is pointing out something here. He's saying, you've got these, these rules. This is one of their rules. Is you've got, you're allowed to take an ox and unbound it, take it from the stable and tie it and take it to water. So you've got an ox and I've got the daughter of Abraham. I've got a beloved person. And you want to unbound this ox because it's been tied up for like two hours. She's been tied up for 18 years. And, and it's just bound by like a little knot and a piece of wood. She's been bound by Satan. The hypocrisy of this statement, the hypocrisy of his inability to see the world around him, to see the suffering and hopeless. He cares only about his rules and his way of life. He is bent over, hunched down, burdened, enslaved, and captive. And he can't even see a daughter of Abraham who needs help. The hypocrisy in all of us today that we need to see is that we've taken a good thing that God has given us. We've taken a way of life. We've made it our own. We've added on to it. And we lose sight of the world around us. We lose sight of the hope that Christ has given us. They didn't understand the Sabbath Many of us, like me, don't understand the Sabbath. See, what happened to me today is I realized something. I had turned this sermon into work because I wanted to be God to you guys. I wanted to give you some encouragement. I wanted to give you some hope. I wanted to give you some joy. had a vision of my own that I wanted to be fulfilled. But God's given me this great disability <laughs> called anxiety. And I went to bed last night pretty confident in my sermon, pretty, feeling pretty good about it. Uh, and I woke up this morning crippled. I woke up this morning exhausted and tired. I woke up this morning feeling a supernatural weight. I can't describe it any way else. 
And by the grace of God, he taught me something again and again. And I thank God for this disability. I thank God for my anxiety because I don't ever want to make the mistake of coming up here and thinking I've got it. I don't want to ever make the mistake of thinking that I could add anything to God's word. Someone commented to me after my previous sermon. They said, I loved that the passage was up there the entire time because I just kept reading it over and over and over again. I think that's the best comment I could ever receive on my sermon, that I loved seeing the scripture. I loved seeing the word of God. That's the Sabbath. It's not a day that you have to stop doing fun stuff. It's not a day that you need to be bored. It's not a day that, I don't know if kids in here, I don't know what your parents do, but they take away your screen time. That's not what the Sabbath is about. That's laws. And when Jesus comes to us, he comes to us to, to relieve us from a burden, from the weight of the law, and show us that the law is for us, to show us that the Sabbath is a glimpse of that seventh-day rest that we all need and desire. And he does this by becoming the Sabbath, by going to the cross, by taking our inability to do things right over and over again. Man builds his kingdom and it falls. Man creates chaos out of the order God gave us and God said, no more. He goes to the cross and he takes our weight, our guilt, our shame, our anxiety, our depression, our failed marriages, our failed careers, our narrow vision of not being able to look around and not see a bigger picture and he frees us from it. And he's sitting here. Maybe he's not sitting here. I don't know what he's doing. He's here. And he's looking at everybody here today. And he sees you. He knows the guilt and the shame, the anxiety, the stress that maybe you don't even know that you're feeling. But you know something's wrong because work doesn't satisfy you. Your marriage doesn't satisfy you. Social media, you scroll through it for hours and hours and hours and you definitely don't feel satisfied. Or like you get that Netflix thing that comes up that says, are you still watching? And you go, what the heck? Nothing satisfies us. Our way of life will never give us what God has given to us on the cross through his death and his resurrection. He gives us eternal rest. So you want to know what I, what I could tell you that the Sabbath is? We can get into a lot of detail. Again, that Bible project, awesome. Check it out. Join me and equip next season. We'll talk a lot about the Sabbath. But if I could just sum it down to one thing, Matthew eleven twenty-eight 28 through 30. Come to me. Come to me. Jesus is saying this, come to me. I see you. I see your inability to get things right. I see you pretend to be somebody you're not. I see who you really are. I see underneath it all. I see a beautiful person, a daughter or a son of Abraham. 
who's part of my family. You're royal. I've got the greatest work for you, work that you're going to enjoy and love, and it will not feel like work. It will feel like rest. Come to me, all who, are, who labor and are heavy laden. I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Christianity, following Jesus, it's a light burden. It's a work that you enjoy. The, the best picture I have of this is my friend Brandon Haverlin, and, and I think Nick Pritchett might be back there. The, the other day when the power went out, we had all those trees falling. Uh, I just have to tell the story because it's fun. I, I don't know if it works in the sermon. But, but uh, the, the, all these trees are falling. I live on this one-lane kind of private road, and trees had fallen, and the power had gone out, right? And the, the lines had crossed... Uh, my road, and none of us could get out of this road. And that wouldn't have been such a huge problem, except for my neighbor has a medically fragile daughter, and she's on a vent and some other machines. And so they had backup batteries, but th those were kind of going away, and she needed to get off this road. And we're like panicked. We don't know what to do. And so for, for whatever reason, I called Brandon, and I'm like, hey, dude, do you know anybody that could help? Or like, what, what do you think? And Brandon's like, I'll be right there. And I was like, what? <laughs> and like, turns out he was just over at Nick Pritchett's house picking him up. And like these guys come, and I think Brandon like gets out of this huge truck, like pulls up my road, all the neighbors are standing around, he gets out of this huge truck. I think his, a chainsaw was attached to his hand. He like pulled it and started it, grabbed a power line. All of us were like, oh, like grabs a power line without even thinking about it, throws it off, chainsaws up some trees, tosses some stuff aside, gets back in his truck. Nick's like, like it's like Batman and Robin. Nick somehow knows exactly what Brandon's doing. He's like cleaning everything up and trailing behind him. They get back in their truck and they just leave. And I remember like the, that Foo Fighters song, there goes my hero. And I was just like, what just happened? Like the dude just came and did all this stuff. And he, dude, he's just like driving around the town for no reason, just like cleaning up roads and getting people out of their cars and helping people. And I talked to Brandon the other day and he was like, dude, that was the most fun I've had in a long time. It wasn't work to him. Man, that's a guy who loves Jesus. That's a guy who's been set free and quite, quite literally wants to set other people free. He was going around that day setting people free. Last week, we canceled service. We said, go help your neighbor. That's not work on the Sabbath. That's not a law. We didn't break a law that we had to follow. That's people who love Jesus and live outward. Jesus wants to set us free to enjoy the work of building his kingdom. So you're left with two outcomes here. I don't know where I am. <laughs> the last verse, verse 17. As he said all these things, all his adversaries were put to shame. You either, are you an adversary? 
does the weight of Christianity weigh you down and give you shame? Do you feel guilty? Do you feel like you're not enough? Do you feel like you never will be? Are you constantly trying to measure up? Then there's the other people. It says, and all the people rejoiced at the glorious things that were done by him. See, the good news of the gospel is it's not just this one-time thing that we get to do and then finally everything's good again. But the gospel is so beautiful in that we get to remember it in those times that we feel like we're an adversary of God. And I came in here today feeling shame, feeling like I wasn't gonna do a good enough job for you guys, feeling the weight and the burden that I'd placed on myself. And God, through his grace and his, oh, he's so good. He's so good. I came to this place on the Sabbath with people that I love. And I looked around the room and I looked up and I sang a song that said, Call on me. Seek me. I answer. I'll give you everything. I'm all that you need. So as we go to communion, as we take this cup and the bread, you may have come in here today feeling like an adversary of God. You may come in here today not knowing you need him. But all of us today, if you call yourself a Christian or you don't, we need to remind ourselves of this, of the work that he's done for us. So if you're a Christian today, we get to partake and celebrate what God has done. And if you're not a Christian today, hold off on this. But God is calling you right now immediately. And I would love to walk you through what that looks like. So there'll be a prayer team back there. They would love to walk you through what it looks like to come join us. Join the family. You're a daughter or son of Abraham. Jesus is calling you right now. For those of us who are, let's take the bread. Remember God's disabled body crushed, bruised, broken so that we could stand up straight today and praise him. Take the bread now. Let's take the cup. Let's remember the blood that poured out so that we could rejoice and enjoy him. So that we could be set free Take the cup. We're going to sing a song here. Not this one, but the next one, as I figured out last service, called Graves into Gardens. And I want to read you the lyrics. And as you sing this song, I want you to think about this. It says, You turn mourning to dancing, you give beauty for ashes. You turn shame into glory. Oh, you're the only one who can. Let's worship. <laughs>